Hey guys, it's Jeff and Missy, and we just want to come on real quick to give you a quick um, introduction into this episode. Uh, this is much different than anything you've heard here before. This is a long episode. This is two hours long, and just want to give you a little bit of a backdrop before we just um, put the episode out there. So this is a conversation we've been having uh, with some friends of ours, Johnny and Ashley, for quite some time. Their view has changed on the doctrine of the Trinity. And uh, Missy and I are uh, diehard Trinitarians. We um, believe that you can't have the gospel without the doctrine of the Trinity. We think that once you start pulling those threads, it changes the actual gospel. So this has been a concern, and this is a conversation we've been having with them. So as you listen to this, um, really what we're trying to do is we're trying to hear them and trying to really understand where they're coming from. Uh, there's a lot of points where I'd like to to jump in and say something, but the point of this episode is really to kind of let them explain what their view of God is. The question we proposed is, can you have the gospel without the Trinity? We kind of veered way off of that topic. A l- yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but but also we got to hear where they were coming from. Yeah, so, um, and, and I just want to come on real quick just to let you know that's the context of this episode, so you might hear some things that uh, may have been just insider talk between us, so I ask you just be patient. Again, this is a two-hour episode. This is a very long conversation, and it continued on for another half an hour in our kitchen <laughs> after it was done. Um, but uh, our point is to put this stuff out there. They have a different view than us. Um, and listen, the name of the show is The Unknown Godcast. We want to seek to know God and and love Him and serve Him well. Um, so we think that these conversations are important and they need to happen. And and, and it was actually a really uh, perfect topic for, you know, our show when Jeff right. um, had the concept for the show. It was to do topical things that and were... have conversations like this, these these theological discussions, hard discussions, that um, and just put it out there. These are conversations we're having, so we thought, okay, let's let's put on the microphone and let's just kind of... Put this stuff out there. And also, I, I hope that this can serve as an example. Um, we disagree wholeheartedly on a very important thing, right? We're talking about the doctrine of the Trinity. This isn't a, a minor doctrine that we disagree on. This is very important. Um, but I hope that we can model a how to have a conversation with grace and with love and yet still try to defend truth uh, faithfully. And, and, and also show that we can still disagree on things. And yeah. And, you know, love one another. And still love one another, exactly. So that's the context. Again, it's a really long episode, two hours. So you might want to, I was going to split it up and do some different things. But you know what? I just, I just the flow of the conversation, I thought we're just going to go ahead and just put the whole thing out there. So that's the qualifier. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get a little bit better at getting bullet points and, you know, <laughs> you know shortening it. Yeah, yeah. Up, but, you know. But if you like this content, let us know. Um, you can email the show at the unknown, contact us at theunknowngodcast.com uh, on Facebook. Also, let your friends know about the show. We are on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all those podcast catchers. So if you we've like been, this kind of content, let us know. We'll do more of it. Yeah, yeah. We've been a little quiet lately because life it hap- it happens, happens all the time. So... We are tweaking our show. All right. So we don't make this episode any longer. We'll just get right into it, guys. Here we go. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The world is changed. Much that once was is lost, for none now live who remember it. 
I created it. I made it with my own hands. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Slaves are mine. Their lives are mine. All that they own is mine. I do not know your God. Who is this God that I should let your people go? Who is this God? That is what we will be exploring today. Welcome, everybody. This is the Unknown Godcast. I'm Jeff. Hi, Jeff. I'm Missy. And we have and a few guests with us today. We Hi. have. Hello. <laughs> who, who are you? Who are you, people? And what are you doing in my home? <laughs> I'm Jotty. Jotty. This is my Hi, wife, Jody. Ashley. Hello. Hi, Ashley. <laughs> Welcome, guys. We're nice happy to meet here. you. <laughs> I don't know I why like you invited us here. We were just walking by and you invited us in. So <laughs> Come, here's, nice. some, here's some microphones. We'll <laughs> shove them in your food, face. Some cake. So we like it. Yeah, hey, yeah. we're good hosts. Look at that. Yeah, look at us. Look at that. <laughs> All right, well, welcome, everybody. Again, we've uh, told you that we're going to try to do some different things with the show, try different formats, and this is one of them. So today we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to our hearts, um, that is the Trinity, and how it relates to the gospel. Can you have the Trinity, or can you have the gospel without the Trinity? So we invited Jody and Ashley because they're exploring uh, a different view of God um, than the Trinitarian view. So we wanted to have them on to talk about it. We did an episode last time on the Trinity. So we thought, what better to, thing to do than to further the conversation with friends who are, who are questioning that doctrine and uh, looking at different things. We thought it would be an edifying conversation. Maybe you guys would enjoy it. Hopefully you get something out of it. So that's where we find ourselves today. And uh, we're just happy you guys are here. So thanks for coming. Thanks yeah, for having us. Thanks for coming. All right. And a little qualifier, we are not... We're not Bible, Bible scholars. We're not Bible scholars. We're not pastors. We're, we're not, theologians. We're not theologians. We have not gone to seminary. So we are just all... Um, Our typical qualifier there. Yeah. Just test anything any of us say with an open Bible. With an open Bible. <laughs> Always. Yes. <laughs> all right. So um, last episode, I talked a little bit about the Trinity. Just went for about 20 minutes and just kind of talked a little bit about the doctrine of the Trinity, why I think it's so important, how it relates to the gospel itself. Um, so one of the reasons I did that episode was because uh, the Trinity's been first and foremost in my mind for the past few months uh, as we've been having these conversations with, with you guys and with people at church. So um, you're here now, and the question that we want to propose is, can you have the gospel um, without the Trinity? So I think if, if we're going to try to approach that question or that topic, I think we need to figure out first and foremost or need to discuss what is the gospel? Great. Yeah. So let's great let's start with that there, and then we'll, we'll go from there. So if I were to ask you, Jody or, or Ashley, whatever, just if I were to ask you, what is the gospel? What's the good news mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ? What what would be what would be a good answer for that? Well, I would I would approach it from several places. Okay. Um, and here's and here's how. So there's four gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. Um, and even I think in First uh, Corinthians fifteen, Paul kind of gives you his own version of the gospel. Um, the reason I say version is because it seems as though when you look at these four different versions of the gospel, they're all emphasizing different things. They're talking about different things, but yet they're all the gospel. Um, I think in the modern church, what's what's happened to a lot of people is that we've 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 maybe whittled the gospel down to a 
an elevator pitch, uh, a series of words that if you string them together just right, uh, someone will hear them and be convinced of God's truth. And that could happen. We've, mm-hmm. we, we just talked about Jonah and Nineveh. Uh, you don't have to be very eloquent to, to, to present the gospel right. yeah. to people. Um, but is the gospel the, the uh, compact um, Jesus came, Jesus died, and then now you can have life in him? Is that, is that the, the simple gospel? And I, I tend to disagree with that. I tend to, to think that the gospel is far more inclusive. The gospel starts, in my opinion, from the very beginning of the book, mm-hmm. um, how God created everything, the reason why God created everything. Um, he created humans to be like him. He created humans to partner with him uh, in cultivating the world and in, in, in uh, ruling with him. Ruling with him. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, there was a, there's a word I was, I was looking for. Um, but if we it'll come an hour from now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, but if we if we follow this this line of thinking that that God seems to be really really involved in from the very beginning of the book, we get to this point where we see that God has a mission completely apart from our our issues um human sin doesn't seem to be um it it would seem as though when we look at our gospel um or the gospel that most people have today in in the evangelical circles um we have a salvation we have a, a, a gospel pitch that's focused primarily on personal salvation where I believe that the oh that is way better way better <laughs> um, <laughs> we're learning technically here too we're trying to figure this out so. yeah it's way better um, I think there's a sense where um, th- there's a sense when 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 uh, looking at the gospel where uh, we we focus on primarily God's death on the cross and I think there's far more to the gospel than that I think there's what God did long before He came and 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 died for us. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I think I think one of the one of the common misunderstandings when when people read John three sixteen is that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son to die, right? I, I think we've 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 injected you know this the the death as the main reason why God sent His Son, and I think I think in that we've 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 whittled down the story because. Jesus's life was is critically important to us. Absolutely. And if we if we don't pay attention to that and we focus primarily on the, on the the death, then I think we're we we may we may now know um, that we're free in Christ, but we don't know how to live and we don't really understand how to die. Yeah. If I could if I could just um, read John three sixteen because you just sure, sure, sure. Um, said you know, that we focus on the death. But if you, if you read John three sixteen, it says, so for God, so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Mm-hmm. So there's more about life in there than there is about death. I agree. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, I also think though, a lot of people don't understand what that would, right. would mean so that it would be more focused on the fact that he gave his, he gave his you life to die, and right. we don't really know the rest. We focus on the death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I I could agree with that. Now, if 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 you were to ask me the gospel, I always like to put it this way, and I joke with Danny, who's a mutual friend of ours. Mm-hmm. I always say, "Listen, I just got stabbed. I'm bleeding out. I got 15 seconds. I'm yeah, not saved. Really contrived, Save me, right? Like give <laughs> like, me give me something, yeah. right? But uh, God created. God created everything good. Uh, man yeah. sinned, 
right? And that sin separates us from that good God. God can't dwell with sin. Mm -hmm. God must punish sin or he's not just. So we are expelled from that garden, that perfect paradise with God. And thankfully, God is not just just. He's loving. He's merciful. And he wants to be with us, right? So God came down. God took on flesh in the person of Jesus. He was fully God and fully man. Uh, Fully God in the sense that only God could save us, right? The Lord will be our Redeemer. Um, And man, because man had to pay for man's sins, you know? So he lived this perfect life. And that's something, if you hear Missy and I, when we do the, if, when we do this, every time we do our Bible reading, we try to point it to the gospel the best way that we can. And that's something, I think you're right. I think we forget about the life of Jesus, the fact that he lived a perfectly sinless life, that he was perfectly righteous, that he fulfilled the law perfectly on our behalf, right? So it's not just that Jesus died in our place, but that he gives us his life, mm-hmm. his perfect righteousness, right? And it's from that that we are brought into that life through Christ um, that we are to love and serve our king, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that would be just a, well, a quick... Interestingly, though, even in, in, in that um, synopsis of the gospel, there's nothing in that, that that's inherently Trinitarian. Like, that's, that's just... That, I mean, that's, I would say the same thing. Like, exactly how you said it. Like, See, but, yeah, okay. But if, if we flesh it out a little bit more, yeah. right? <laughs> like, so let's do that. Um, so, so God, I would say God the Father sent God the Son, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then the work that is done through God the Son is then applied to us through God the Spirit. So if, if we want to flesh out a little more in a Trinitarian mm-hmm. view, mm-hmm. That's, that's what I would say. So the Father sends, the Son accomplishes, and then the Spirit applies. And that's so- where I would, you know... Go ahead, Yashin. And then if you didn't understand it that way, and you just had the first example of the gospel, I guess, then what? What's the first understanding of the gospel? Well, I I mean, without the specifics of understanding it from this Trinitarian perspective, and you just understand what you just said about... Yeah, what what did I lose with the first perspective? Well, when you went to John Mm 3.16, for God to love the world, he gave his only son. So... We have a father and a son, mm-hmm. a father giving his son, right? And and that's an image that's played throughout the Bible from the time of Abraham and Isaac, right? Like we have Abraham willing to sacrifice his child, but God says, no, I will provide. Sure. Right? I will I will be the one mm-hmm. to step in and provide that sacrifice. And so we have in John 3.16, a father giving of his son. So that's that's where I would say this this personal relationship between two people. Now, I guess we need to flesh this out a little bit more. We might talk a little bit of insider baseball here because yeah, yeah. we've been having these conversations. So if you're if you're listening to this and you get confused, just just bear with us. We'll try to flesh this out because we have been having these conversations outside of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So there might be a little bit of insider baseball here. I apologize for that. Insider baseball. That's a new one for me. So <laughs> there's, by way of, of kind of exemplifying the, because I think a lot of people have issues with with the fact that I don't hold to this idea that there's there's a uh, a third party father third like the son it, you know is a, this third party and then there's a spirit as well and they're all individual persons. Um, I don't hold to that view. Um, struggling to 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 see that um, in the in the in the scriptures, and the reason I struggle to see it is because if I'm reading the scriptures consistently with everything else that I'm reading, um, 
the example that that maybe you, you've referred to as insider baseball is is maybe the trans subscription transubstantiation uh, issue. That's a big word. So explain it's a big that. word. So so here's so, what it means. Um, so basically, uh, within within some some um, sects of, of Christianity, uh, specifically the Roman Catholic Church, and I'm not sure who else does this. There's this idea that if you take if you take loaves of bread and wine, and you say a few Latin words over them, these this, these elements become God's physical body, Christ's physical body, mm. so much so that you can no longer throw away the bread after you've done the communion, you know, or, or the uh, you know you've taken the elements. Mm. This is now God's body, and so it must be completely consumed. You can't throw it out. There's a there's a extra superstition that's been added to it. Now, this is actually Jesus is doing, <laughs> in a way. Um, Jesus often said things that were very very confusing to people. And if people didn't understand what Jesus was saying and why he was saying it, they often took what the words he was saying and they, they, they read them a different way. But we have to understand that Jesus is God. Like he's the very God, like he's, he's, he's as ununderstandable as a person could be, as a thing could be that's now in a body and in a, in, a, in a form that we can understand. And I think we, we often underplay that. And so we think that Jesus probably would talk just like us, like he would talk like in, in regular verbiage. But there's many times things that Jesus said that, that made people very, very confused, turn, turn their noses up. Even people who were, who were probably most able to understand him, Nicodemus is an example. Um, he comes to him at night, sneaking to him, and he wants to find out about, about who he is and how he can inherit the kingdom. And Jesus tells him some crazy stuff. Like he has to be born again, which he's like, wait, so I'm supposed to go back into my mother or something and and, and re-enter the world? He's completely confused by this. But obviously Jesus isn't being being literal in this sense. Jesus is trying to get him to understand an image, a picture, an idea of something. Being Uh, born again. Yeah, which, which is a really daunting, uncomfortable experience. And Jesus wants him to know that that there's a process for it. Well, the same thing when, when Jesus is talking in, in John 6 to a group of people who he just fed. He gave them food, filled their guts, right? They're all happy. And they're, that's what I was going to bring up. When you said <laughs> confusing things, that's what I was going to bring up. Go ahead. Yeah, so he, he, he goes out and, he's, um, and he says, hey, so the next thing you guys need to do is, 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 is consume consume my bread, which is my body. Like, like he says, eat my, eat my flesh. Like he's saying this to people, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He says this. In fact, it's it's noted that the, that many of the people who heard him grumbled and they left. A lot of his disciples left him, and even his own disciples were like, "This is a really hard teaching. Like, who can hear this? Like, who can yeah. deal with this that you're saying?" If you want to know how to not build a church, Jesus <laughs> Jesus showed you right there. Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell people to eat your. But 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 it, but it's true because now you've got you know. And Jesus also says this at at the uh, Last Supper. He says, "This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat." And he's trying to get people to, to understand this idea. But when he's saying, take my body, he's not saying his physical body. He's saying he is the bread of life. He himself is the bread of life. Like when he says, give us each day your daily bread, when he's teaching people how to pray, he's, he's not saying, like, fill your stomach up. He's saying, give us you every day, mm-hmm. Lord. Um, and and, and if, we, if we don't, if we miss that, then we can come up with a lot of different and let me ask you, how, how do you think that, that Jesus is, is our bread? Like, I mean, explain that. Like, well, how, is, sure. how, is, how, is, how is that nourishment for us? Sure. Well, Jesus says that he is the way. He is, he is the truth. He's the life. 
there's no other way. Um, we, we're all humans here, most of us, hopefully. Um, <laughs> as far as I know, I'm actually an alien. <laughs> As far um, as I know, I hail from planet Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, a human being. Yeah, yeah. So, so you were created like like us, right? Um, and and we require sustenance. In fact, the people in the in the desert in in um, in Exodus and Leviticus, they were hungry, and God gave them bread from heaven. Right. Um, and and actually, it says that he he to humble them, he I think it said that he allowed them to get hungry, and then he supplied the food. Um, and that's that's literally what Jesus was quoting when he um, when he was being tempted in the in the desert. Mm-hmm. He quoted this 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 um, this passage, and he's he's trying to get people to realize that, that he is the bread, the bread that that they got. He he is that. Um, if they have his word, they have his bread, okay. and to consume his bread on a daily basis. So the way the way I see it is that is that Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus in in a in a physical manner mm-hmm. in order for him to understand the spiritual mm-hmm. ways, and so and he says that yeah yeah so so um, we we're hungry we get hungry we have to eat bread because you know we're going to be hungry again later so but eternally for eternal spirituality if if Jesus is our nourishment, he he is what sustains us through all of eternity, not just for until next three hours, you know, if you're on a keto diet. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And he does that through the Gospel of John. He's he's pointing to if he's he's doing physical healings, right. right? In the material world. First it shows that he cares about it. And number two, he's pointing to greater spiritual realities. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, and, you know, in that same example, he says, you know, you don't know where the wind blows. Right. Yeah. It just it just comes yeah. and it goes. Right. Just like, you know, I look at that and it's like, how involved was I in my birth? Yeah, I right. wasn't right. Like it just exactly. it happened to me. It was yeah. an event that happened to me. I right. didn't I didn't cause it. I didn't. You know what I mean? Right. Like it was something that that just happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's the greater so, truth that he's trying to to tell him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in all of the I am's and in all of the healings that he's just giving us a little taste of heaven. That's just a little taste of heaven, like the healing, the blind of the blind man or the leprosy, you know, or the, there's, there's a deaf guy in there somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those are all just like, just like little taste of heaven where we're all going to be perfected and no longer hungry or thirsty and I think he's also showing us through faith what it is to live the will of the Father, to live a will that's not your own and is completely someone else's and it's, right. and it's aligned. So I think it, it points back to the fact that, that Jesus was God and that I think a lot of the time, even when we're, when we're reading the New Testament, we're thinking of Jesus, we look, a lot of the time we look at Jesus and God almost as separate personalities. So it's kind of confusing because the God of the Old Testament seems to have this different, more harsher personality than Jesus himself. And I See, think I that's think, where... Yeah, I think, I think there's a misconception on our part, though, too, because I, I always say, if, if you think that Jesus is the nice God and the God in the Old Testament is the wrathful God, you need to read to the end of the book. Like, go <laughs> yeah. to Revelation. Like, Jesus, you know, it's, it's not pretty, you know? So I think... Um, the personalities of God. That's an interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting it is. way. It's, it's a good. To put it's a good it. point. Um, because, well, the Trinitarian view is that there is a Father, and there is a Son, 
And there's a spirit. Yeah. So let's. All right. Let's 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 do this because that's good. We're 20 minutes in already. <laughs> let's let's define some terms. Why mm-hmm. not? Right. Um, so you know, I would say just to give a a a trinitarian definition the best the best I can, and this is borrowed from people who are much smarter than I am. Okay. So within the one being that is God, there exists three co-eternal, co-equal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That would be a, a just a concise definition of the Trinity. So while the Trinity is not a word we find in the Bible, it's a word that we created, right? Triunity to try to encapsulate the truths that we see in Scripture. And so when I when I look at the Trinity, um, or when we read the Bible, you know, holy, this is the truths I think people are trying to put together yeah, when we yeah. come up with this doctrine. We're, we're trying to put together the fact that God is one God. Right, mm-hmm. Deuteronomy six, the Shema of Israel. That is a prayer that is said morning and night to this day by mm-hmm. Orthodox Jews. Right, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this is revolutionary, mm-hmm. revolutionary first time. Mm-hmm. There was not this this idea didn't exist when Israel right was saying this prayer. And it was it was it was profane even. Yes, it was. Right? Yeah, it's gross. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. But that's that's so that's the truth, and that's one that we're not going to argue. Right, God is one. And that we may argue that with Mormons, but that's a different story. But <laughs> right, so the fact that God is one is not one that's that's not something people really disagree with mm-hmm. much. Um, the next truth is one that people can start to have disagreements on, and that is that there are three persons who are called God. Right, we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, throughout Scripture, we see different these different persons mm-hmm. called God. Um, the other truth there is that they're co-eternal and co-equal. They've always been. They're not created. They're just always have been there. Um, so a way to kind of summarize it, uh, I think it's seven statements. It would be, you know, um, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Father's not the Son. The Son's not the Father. The Spirit's not the Father or the Son. Right? So that would be a way to kind of define the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, different persons one in essence, nature, or, or being. One right? being, yeah. three persons. One being, three persons. While we're one in being, one in person. Exactly. Yeah. And and we understand the, the difference between being and person, right? Like a rock has a being. Yeah, it's if, one, I, yeah. if I pick up a rock and throw it at you, you're going to feel it, and you're going to feel its being. It's mm-hmm. a rock, right? But it's not a person, mm-hmm. you know? And ultimately, like I always say when we come to the Trinity, we have a hard time explaining the Trinity because God is unlike anything. In creation, we can't compare it to anything else. If we could, he wouldn't be God, right? Yeah. So God simply is. He's not bound by the created order. So we can only work with the categories we have. We can't see a fourth dimension or a fifth dimension, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. God may be able to see perfectly, mm-hmm. right? So so that's where we're at. So if we were to find a Trinitarian view that way, if you were to give me a view of kind of where you're at with God, how, do you, how would you define... Because ultimately... When it comes to the Trinity, that's a very important question because what we're saying in, in the Christian worldviews, we're saying that this is who God is, mm-hmm. right? That's the doctrine of who God is. So there's not a teaching that that's not going to touch. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if it's, we were to find God that way, so if I were to ask you kind of what, what's your view or where, where are you kind of leaning towards on your view of God? If you were to try to, I know you can't define God, but if yeah, you were I, to try to um, give some sort of definition. Yeah. So I've, 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 I've tried to I've tried to do this where it, where it cleanly shows the distinction the, the distinction between trinitarianism and whatever this is because mm-hmm. and I say this because 
we've we've looked into all, like modalism, Sabellianism. We, we we looked into into a, a massive number of, can't of different. Half of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We such can, like, <laughs> long, lots of letters. Yeah, yeah. but but <laughs> these none of them quite say what we're saying, um, and because of it, we 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 don't know that we can we can we can flag you know fly any other flags, but. Um, what I would say is that we have a view where God is is one, and that Jesus called himself the Son, mainly to remind people of a story that was given to us in Daniel seven thirteen, um, well in Daniel seven um, specifically in thirteen. Uh, there's this there's the son this of man. yeah there's this image where 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 this Son of Man character is being presented to this this older looking character on a throne. Um, and if you, if you go to the, to the end of the book um, in revelation, you see that this character is, is Jesus. He's got the flo- flowing eyes that the, the, uh, the hair white as, as snow. Um, and it gives you this, this, this image that shows you that the ancient of days character that, that Daniel um, is, is thinking about. <laughs> Don't mind the springs. <laughs> We're working out the technical difficulties. Um, the character that Daniel's talking about is is the one who's giving all of this authority to the Son of Man. But then you find out that the, the one who 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 is giving the authority and the one who's receiving it are the same single person, the same character. The Son of Man we know is Jesus, and then the Ancient of Days revealed in in, in Revelations and Isaiah nine six. Like we know that that the the everlasting Father is an is a title that's given to Jesus. The Mighty God is a title given to Jesus. Um, El Gabor and Isaiah nine, yeah. yeah. So, so, mm-hmm. so there's, there's these, there's these, these, there's a lot of ways where the Bible tries to make us see Jesus as our Father, um, and then Jesus talks often about the fact that He's not going to be here for forever. He's going, He's going to be going, going away. And the reality is, when, whenever you, whenever you think about the story of Daniel seven and how, how, and why it was given to us, it's given to us to show that. Whoever, whoever everyone identifies as God has now given this person all authority. What, like Jesus? Yeah, Jesus, the son of man character. And so Jesus calls himself the son. The son of man. More like, like 90 times. And that son, son of, of man is his son favorite. Of man. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what just, he uses to yeah, refer to himself. son of man. Um, and and I, think, I think what we're doing is we're saying that because, because he's saying that he's the son of man, um, and he says this so frequently, the son of God, son of, son of man. And he, I don't think he calls himself the son of God. I think he's called the son of God by others. Yeah, he, he refers to himself as He calls son himself of man. as the son of man. Um, and, and, and I think what he's doing is he's trying to paint, he's trying to draw an allusion to that story. But we've taken it to say that he's, he's, there's, there's multiple characters in the story. And I don't think he's trying to get you to see that there's multiple characters. I think that whole image is there for one purpose, and that's to show that he has all authority. But see, I'm gonna, I, I agree with the authority part, but I'm going to disagree a little bit on your interpretation on that. Okay, so, so I think in Daniel 7, we have this image of the Ancient of Days and then the Son of Man coming to him, mm-hmm. right? But we have the image of the Ancient of Days standing in judgment, mm-hmm. right? Standing in judgment. And, and what we have in Revelation is we have a description of Jesus. This is Revelation chapter 1, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Right in the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, showing that same authority. It's not exact description mm-hmm. as the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7, um, but it is the white hair. It's the, it's the image of an old man, right? But I think 
when we're talking, especially when we're talking prophetic yeah. imagery, you know. Well, what I mean? well, that's what I'm saying. These these books were written with with very similar styles, right? What do you not think that these authors were trying to conflate the two? No, I th- I think they were trying to point to the fact that that the ancient of days had authority and and was judging over, and I think that same authority is shown as Jesus having in Revelation. I don't think that's meant to say that the same that they're the same person. I think that's meant to say that the authority that both have is one and the same. Actually, I don't. I, I I agree with you that I don't think Daniel seven was to say there was the same t- person. I think I think that was revealed in Revelation. In Revelation one, yeah. yeah, yeah. I but think... that description is not ex- all right. You know what <laughs> we're talking about? Let's just go. Might ahead. as well read it. Right? All right, so let's go Daniel seven. Okay, so Daniel seven. We'll start in verse nine. It says, as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. I'm reading out of the ESV, by the way. Um, Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed, its body destroyed, and was given over to be burnt to fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." So that's Daniel 7. And then we were comparing to was Revelation 1, right? Yeah, Revelation 1. Okay. I don't remember the verse. Let's go. Did you, you can talk if you have something to say. It was, well, it's was, it was interesting. I, I actually um, referred to this just today. I had some J-dubs swing, swing by the house today while I was chipping in the front yard. Did you evangelize them? Oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it was, it was actually pretty dope. Um, now, what you, okay, so we're going to sidebar here because I I love to talk to Jehovah's Witnesses. I have a heart for Jehovah's Witnesses. He does. Missy knows. And whenever yeah. he's at work on a Saturday and they come, I'm like, oh, my gosh, here again. you, you got to come back <laughs> because I want them to know God. Mm-hmm. So I love to talk to them. So what was what was your conversation? Like, I'd be interested to hear what your conversation was with Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, it sounded as though he was he was kind of on his train, on like maybe a training. He was there with his son, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool because you know, he's a very prophetic kind of guy. Um, but the but I it sounds bad, but I think their handler was in the car. Yeah, they, no, that's it. That's the, yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that, that's, that's the how, truth. That's how yeah. they go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was watching, you know, for most of the conversation. But then he steps out because um, there's a point where I think he had brought up. Um, I don't remember how it how it came to it, but he had brought up the Great Commission, mm-hmm. and and was making this the point that. Cause I had I had slipped up. Cause I didn't want to I didn't want to like. I didn't want to like. Well, I had slipped up and said something that that made him quickly say, "Hey, well, we don't know that Jesus is God," and you know, and and so I was like, "Okay, well, we're going in it now. Like, I can't I can't not go in because now you just made the statement and it's like you're you're inviting this." Um. So so they went to the Great Commission and and he was talking through the Great Commission, and I and I was trying to show him the. Uh, the, the similarity to, to the Great Commission and what's what's being said in, in uh, Daniel seven thirteen about about this Son of Man who's being given authority and that all the nations are going to worship him yeah. 
and so I was trying to show them, you know, this this story and 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 show them that this 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 person was was God. And so I actually ended up talking to them today and the handler who was out there and and and, and he heard I think I think there was a point where he he decided that these guys were listening too intently to what I was saying. Time to pull them? Yeah, so he yeah. pulled he pulled them, but he said that they would the the conversation is intriguing and that they'd love to swing by again. I hope they do. They're going to um, come back with big guns because yeah, <laughs> they did, they've done that They'll a couple times. Come back with the pioneers, yeah. yeah. I hope, yeah. you know. It's I mean, it's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, I, I'd love, I'd love talking to Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. I, abs- I absolutely love it, but it's it's hard because they're so rehearsed and well, they're I so taught in a certain, you know. The interesting thing is that's actually what I don't like about um, about how Christians often say the gospel because that mm-hmm. seems so rehearsed. It seems so practiced, and I think one of the things that I was trying to trying to get at earlier, which I probably foolbarred completely, um, is that the, the the gospel itself, like. It's it's a story, and and you, you don't have to change the details of the story, but you could tell the story a lot of different ways. You could say a lot of different things when telling a story, and and it seems like these four these four writers said very very different things. Even Jesus himself, when he was saying the gospel, said it very different from even how Paul said it. Um, and the disciples, when they heard some of Paul's things, were like, "Well, we don't really." understand some of the things he's saying but he's legit trust him he's good we just don't understand all of it which which i which i get and so sometimes i think we don't have to have this rehearsed mentality towards towards teaching the gospel we we have to we have a, have a commitment to the gospel itself and and the other thing that that i forgot this earlier and i couldn't remember what i was what i was going to say um but i remember it now like like you said is that um when i when i think about the gospel itself I'm not thinking about a story that's about personal salvation. I'm thinking about a story that's about God bringing his kingdom here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the gospel for me. So whenever we, whenever we get into a conversation where we're talking about soteriology, I don't think that's the gospel I don't, anyway. I don't know what that word means. It, it's, soteriology is, is simply a conversation of matters relating to salvation, the how stu- someone gets this saved. It's a study of how we are saved. If I yeah. could just say, I think they're both the same. Personal salvation as well as bringing the kingdom. Yeah, I, I think that think it's the same. Well, I, I think I think most people with that perspective think they're the same, but I think there's 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 subtle differences that change how you act and think about the world. Um, and I think I think if you look at the gospel like like it's like it's primarily to save you, the individual, then then once you've accepted this gospel, do you just go like what do you do with it? What do you do with your life now? Man, that isn't okay. I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. ahead. I, no, no. I think I think you just just hit the ground floor in my brain. Okay. So one thing that I've been thinking about a lot, and it comes down to eschatology. So eschatology would be the study of end times, mm-hmm. right? Where is history going? That's mm-hmm. that's kind of, you know, if, if you have any biblical worldview, you understand that history is it's going somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Time is going right? to end at some point. Um, but one of the things that I've been um, more convinced towards would be uh, it's called a view called post-millennialism. post-millennialism. Okay? Explain that. Because so post-millennial basically means that Jesus came, he conquered, he's reigning, he's king, and that right now God's using his church to bring all of his enemies under his feet, that, that there's an optimistic view to the future, that God is redeeming the heavens and the earth. That's the view that, that I tend to hold on to now. I used to think differently, 
but that's one that I think of now. Yeah, that's, that's how I look at the world, uh, yeah. primarily. And, and it's out of, like, visions of Daniel, like Nebuchadnezzar seeing seeing this this rock come out of nowhere, destroy, you know, all these kingdoms, and now there's only mm-hmm. one kingdom that lasts. And it's cut out, it's, it, it's the stone that's cut out by unseen hands. We just talked about mm-hmm. where the wind comes from, no one knows, right? Like, I think it's the same idea. It's like, there's this kingdom that's coming, and once it does come, there's no other kingdom that's going to stand. And when it does come, it's going to bring peace and prosperity to the people. It's, but see, I think in that view... Like mm-hmm. in that view, in that kind of post-millennial view, mm-hmm. the gospel is, it, you can't untie the thread. The gospel's tied to the optimistic view of the future because yes. there is a personal salvation, but that personal salvation is working itself out corporately in the world, right, to redeem. It, it, it begins with each heart. It begins, with, right, and from there it goes to institutions, and it... it, it I- the gospel spreads, right? And, and I would say to redeem each in individual person in order to glorify God. Right. I mean, but that's but see, that's a given. It, the way we look at it, humans doing what they're made to do is a given. Like you're you're supposed to do that. Like right. you're human. You you weren't made to like go cheat on your husband. You weren't made to go punch your wife and you get angry. You weren't made to 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 to, to be evil and sinful. You were made for a purpose. You were made to be the light of the world. Every the, every single human. You're made in the image of God. Right. You're made in the Imago Dei. Yeah. Right. And so you've been you've been rebellious. Now God has has saved you so that you can do what He made you to do in the first so, place. So so I think I think the whole question, the whole topic of of this um, podcast is: Can you have the gospel without the Trinity? So <laughs> yeah, we veered way off. <laughs> no, no, no. We haven't. We haven't. But, but what was the last thing that you just said? You. Because I was to me. <laughs> because because you said you said well oh, you were talking about how how we um, we're made to glorify God mm-hmm. we're made in His image um, and through our sinful nature mm-hmm. I don't think you said this I'm implying that you said this um, that you know in our sinful nature we punch our wives <laughs> and we cheat on our husbands or mm-hmm. whatever spouses mm-hmm. and um, that's that's from our fallen nature when we rebel. Right, right. We're rebel. We're rebellions at birth, which is what sin is. It's rebellion, right? Right. It's, right. Yeah. And and um. So in order to in order to uh, reconcile us with God, um, the Father gave His only Son. So and therein is is two parts of the Trinity, two parts of the Trinity that we believe in, and that without without the Trinity, how can we have the gospel? the gospel that redeems humanity well, is, is the, I think, I think you're still thinking it as far as like, I think there's, there's a sense where, sorry. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I think that there's a sense where you're still making it a story about, um, about God sending his son to be, to, how do I say this? I think, I think there's a, there's a sense where you're, you, you, th- you see it as it's a perspective. It's a it's a different pers- oh. perspective of how you're reading reading scripture in general, though. Correct. Yeah. See, one of the things that I told my wife um, is that which is Ashley, which, which, which is, is Ashley for Ash- anybody who doesn't know, which Ashley and Ashley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I have, I have I constantly call her wife and That's people okay. who know wife, her. Wifey. Like I'll, I'll be talking to her mother <laughs> Hello, and I'll be like, <laughs> "Hey, hey, wife, get over here." Yeah, 
um, there's a sense where her and I have been discussing like if we don't if we have to be careful not to not to have conversations outside of the categories that we're in meaning there's a sense where like especially here in the west because we don't think the way these these first century uh people thought some of the ways that we we hear words being said mean completely different things to us than it meant to them specifically and, and, like and, given and, like specific well I'm, I'm i'm giving an overarching thing okay and and what i wanted to be careful not to do is to is to um and is to try to answer a question in a category that i'm I, that that our position doesn't even go into okay and 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 some of the places where our, our, our position doesn't go into is whether or not like there's a father and a son because we think all of that is language. We think that's a that's how that's how God is using language um, to explain Himself to people. Um, we don't believe that there's there's a an, an, a someone who sent Him. We we believe that He came, and and He's saying that He's that He was sent because everyone knows who God is. Everyone knows who the Father is. Who He's talking about. And so while He's trying to relate to all these people who you know, for all intents and purposes, are, 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 are in the dark, right? He's trying to get them to understand that, that he is God. And, and, and not, only, not only that, there's, there's, a, there's something to the Father, Son, and Spirit that, that we, 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 may, we may not give enough credit to. The first thing is that the Father is, this, is, a, is, a, is a mentor, a leader, a, a, um, He's the an head. authority, He's right? He's the head, yeah. But a son is someone who's submissive, mm-hmm. someone who follows, someone who could be led. Um, and, and, and Jesus comes to show us both of them. Mm-hmm. He's, not, he's, not, he's not singular in, in, in that focus. He's literally trying to show each one of us because everything that we see Jesus do, he's telling us we should be doing it too. This is, this is a model for us. So we're all supposed to be sons and fathers. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying in, in like a sexist way. I'm saying, no, no, no. I'm saying we, we all have a, like if, Christians who who don't see themselves as a father tend to only be um, looking for fathers, looking for someone to support them instead of seeing themselves as someone who's who's there, who's who's been set apart to support others as a father to them. Also, if if you don't see yourself as a son, then you may struggle in a relationship with your with your husband. You may struggle to to submit to his authority mm-hmm. because you haven't you haven't you don't see yourself as someone who's under authority or you you haven't practiced seeing that 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 mentality. And both of these are critical to, to human being, to parenting, to, to any one of these human experiences. And I think when we when we say, well, all, all that is is God saying that He's a person, He's three persons in one. That's that's the image that we're getting. I think we completely ignore a whole other facet of what Jesus is trying to do through the through the scriptures. See, but I think I think kind of in the view that that Jesus and the Father are one, it's just language. Mm-hmm. I think that actually flattens what He's trying to show us. Explain. Okay, so. If God models to us the Father, mm-hmm. if the Father and the Son are modeling to us that relationship between the two, mm-hmm. then then that's how we understand family. That's how we understand fatherhood and sonship. Yes. But it's because of that relationship between Father and Son. Well, it's, it's because of what has been modeled. And I, I agree with what was, what's was what been modeled. I'm, right. I'm simply but saying if, the but model... What I'm saying is if there's not two separate persons, a father and a son, mm-hmm. then it's just a play. He's just he's acting. And, and well, to, not, to, but 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 Jesus isn't if, Jesus isn't new to acting. When if, he when he says eat, eat my flesh, he's not saying literally come over here and bite me. He's I, saying he's saying 
There's there's a, there's a bit of an act. Sorry. Well, no, I, I just wanted to say if 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 um if we're gonna say that everything that Jesus said and did was um was in just modeling, then quite frankly, he's lying. Why? There is no father. Why? If you if you're saying that there is no father and Jesus, you know, repeated, you know, all through the whole testament, it talks about his, you know, Abba Father. Well, and, the question is, is there bread? What do you mean? He well, he says, he says, eat my flesh. Is there, is there bread? Well, that's, that's, or that's I, irrelevant I to the, the bread of life. No, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. It, it isn't irrelevant because no. the same thing is happening. And, I, and and that's what I'm trying to shine light on. There's, there's a, there's a way that Jesus is speaking where he's not being literal. He's, okay. he's, he's saying some, he's saying words that would seem. All right. So say, let, let me get me more direct. Okay. So, so if, if, G, if God, the father gave his son, um, as a sacrifice for our sins, how is that a sacrifice if God the Father isn't giving God the Son? I mean, it's still, it, it's still a sacrifice. How, how is it a sacrifice? Because God still gave himself. He just he still came and, and allowed us to kill him. That's a sacrifice. So, By, we, so we killed God. Well, yes. Do, do, do you not agree but with But see, that's that's where I would say, okay, so... so you, is it because I said... Because if I, said, if I took out God and said Jesus... Would that be because in Jesus we have a category of, of two natures? We have a divine and a human nature. We have we right? have the Father and the Son. I, I, I still the have the same. I still have the same. I'm just see. That's the thing. Is like so, I'm so just what, not separating the. Uh, let me let me rephrase the question. What is the sacrifice if God the Father did not give God the Son? What is the sacrifice if you didn't if he didn't actually give his Son? Which, by is, the way, is modeled to us in Abraham and Isaac. Mm-hmm. Which so, is a father who's right. who's who's placing his son, and he's trusting, he's trusting that even though God tells him to do this, he believes that it, it, it's God. He's trusting him sure. that even God can raise him from the dead, right? Mm-hmm. So that imagery of the father and the son is played out for us. So but, in Abraham and in Isaac, that, in it's that, played out again at Calvary. Right? Yeah, we're in that we're clearly told that this is a test. He like mm-hmm. like before it even started. He was told it was a test. Like we're told, it's a test. Um, in addition to that, we're told, and and specifically, after, and this is this is before and after Jephthah goes and 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 promises that he's gonna he's gonna sacrifice his daughter or whatever walks out of the house, um, which God also hates, and wait, and, and, who, and God says wait, that. What, God, what did we just say? Who who sacrifices their daughter? One of the judges. Oh. And, um, he he. In in not understanding God's nature. And not knowing the type of God that he serves, which is which is a theme in the in the in the judges, um, Samson's that way, Gideon's that way, um, and not knowing truly God's nature, Jephthah makes a, a vow and a commitment to this God that he's gonna he's gonna sacrifice whatever walks out of his house to God, mm-hmm. um, thinking that he's serving God, and it's the same idea that the Israelites were doing when they thought they were serving God and they were worshiping a cow, right? Like like it's it's. It's the same type of like you don't know your, the nature of your God, and so you're 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 just throwing ideas together. You think maybe maybe this God is like the other gods who likes burning kids. So you so so he went and he killed his and he killed his daughter. You know, thinking that he he understood his God. But God says in several places, child like like killing your children never came into my mind. Abortion like these these ideas of child sacrifice never came into my mind. These are God's words. Like he's not he's not looking to, for this type of 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 of, of worship. So yeah, so I think we I think we see that in the abomination of the Molech. Yeah. Right. You read the God of Molech, yeah. and and that's like, yeah, it's horrific. It's it's not it's not where where God's mind is. So I think I think I think what we're what we're seeing 
is is God using those stories to an effect, but not that God is like literally killing his son. I don't think that that's what's happening. I think God came as a punishment, or, or not as a punishment, but in our place. I do believe that. I, I, I simply believe that it's more than what we're saying. We're simply saying that God came and he died and his and his death wiped away our sins and that's all that happened at that cross and i so, think there's i think we're leaving a lot of a lot of skin on the bone oh i i just i just i i want to understand what the sacrifice would be if the father hadn't given the son that's the humongous sacrifice that's of, the sacrifice of Jesus it's giving Christ. of himself so 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 god is like when 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 we point to to god as a father Mm-hmm. Right, God the Father. Mm-hmm. A father is life giving, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what sure. a father father does. Mm-hmm. He be, he um, the he son be- is begotten mm-hmm. of the father, right? So there, the sacrifice of a father sacrificing his son is, to me, way more powerful than someone actually coming to just say, "Well, I'm going to do this for you, and that'll be it." I I I actually completely disagree. Okay. Um, and I think I think most people do. I think most people see see the because especially in this day and age, there's a lot of. And my wife actually brought this point to me. A, a lot of a lot of people don't have good relationships with their fathers. Fathers aren't what father what what Absolutely. what people might identify as fathers. And so like people people are all too willing to see some some god up there who's like, hey, go go. There's a problem down there. Go go die for those people. Go. And 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 I understand the point that you guys are making that this is no God the Father loves his son, but I I see it as even more real to say he so loved his people that he came and died for them. Why 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 did he come? But that that because he just because he so loved his people. But what you just said that's a that's a beautiful illustration because what you just said there's a lot of people that have horrible relationships with their fathers mm-hmm. right I, I get I, that I being one Missy I, being one of them right um, but here's the beauty of of God deciding to portray himself as fa- he shows himself to us he reveals himself to us mm-hmm. as a father loving his son mm-hmm. that's how he reveals himself but to he us. but he hold always on, has hold on, hold on but but when we look at a verse like uh, I just pulled up Galatians 4. Right for those for those people who hurt and who 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 have that horrible relationship with their mm-hmm. earthly father, we have these beautiful words in verse four. It says, "But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Abba Father.' father. Mm-hmm. Like those are beautiful words. Yeah, yeah." It, and because God is God is a father. He is a father. Sure. But God is a son and God is the Holy Spirit through which we love him, mm-hmm. right? Like it is it's it's a beautiful it, my point is is that when I read the gospel and when I see when I see verses like that the the trinitarian work is is always father sending, son accomplishing, spirit applying. Yeah. That's that's a beautiful that's a beautiful work. And 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 practically speaking, I like that for spirit. Um, I don't know that I agree as far as father and son. Spirit makes a lot of sense. But when it says God sent forth His Son, I mean, how do, how do we make sense of that other than? Other, it, but, but that's unless, what I'm trying to say. Unless it's, it's, it's not unless it's a lie, it's ludicrous. 
unless it's a lie unless so unless you, god you, sending forth his son is <coughs> a lie then it's ludicrous it's one or the other i don't i don't think so i mean it, it could be ludicrous i mean they they certainly thought that eating flesh was ludicrous mm-hmm. like they 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 thought if they took that literally that's why they stopped following them because they took it literally and they said well that is that's ludicrous what I'm saying is there there may be a way where you that you see it that's not ludicrous. That's just a good teacher, someone who's really, really good at understanding people and, and able to get them to understand the picture that he's trying to paint for them. But then that that leads us to believe that that everything that is written about the father and the son is just a lie. I don't I don't think so no, at I all. I think I think I think I think what you're trying to say is it's metaphorical, just right. like just like the bread. Of like life. if, if see, I'm I, telling my if I'm telling my son. if So so. My daughter's afraid of something that's scaring her. It's under the bed. If I got on my knees and I and I looked under the bed, would I be lying? Well, no. You wouldn't call it a lie. You wouldn't call it like you would. You would see it as me humbling myself to her level so that she understands there's nothing under the bed. I just checked. Now, why would you have to do that? To humble myself so that she understands that one, I love her. And two, I just looked. I I just I just suffered in the way in, in a way that she was afraid to. Now she's seen me suffer. She's seen me go through the work of of looking under the bed. I've also given her an example. Well, I think that I think there's I think there's many reasons why why I I might have looked under the bed. I mean, I don't think any of them would have been con- concerned with me lying to her. Well, and I think that you would be being an example of what to do in the face of fear, which sure. is exactly what Jesus came to be this tangible example of what it looked like to love. And he did that through his life and he did that through his death. And, and I think he and, did that especially through his death. Yeah. That's that's many people ask. So what do you think happened at the cross? I think I think I think Jesus taught us how to love at the cross. I think I think we could have always made up another story of how to love. But Jesus showed you the very like the. You can't go any further to love someone, and Jesus exemplified that. And I, I think would, if 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 we've if we've taken something out of that, so I was just saying to, um, to Ashley, we were talking the other day about about sacrifice in general. Um, we were talking about like how how there are people who are in the Old Testament who I believe when they sacrificed, they there was true remorse. There was there was a true um, change of heart. There was a true like, oh man, I just so. A true repentance, right? So, so I think I think what happens is we we look at the fact that people they killed a lot of animals back then, and because they killed so many animals, there was almost a desensitization to 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 to, to doing it. But the fact that you had to find a perfect animal, a blank, a, like a it had to be the best one that you had, like you find a perfect one and then you care for it for for a while until that time, because mm-hmm. you couldn't do it early. And you and it couldn't it couldn't break its leg between the time like so so you had to be very careful take care of this thing, even even maybe grow close to it, um, and then kill it. Mm-hmm. Now, modern listeners might might need need a different analogy. Maybe you think of a puppy, or 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 your favorite yeah, we cat. Go to, we go to the grocery store for that now. Yeah, yeah. So 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 we we've 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 lost a lot of of what what what's necessary. What, what God is trying to give them with sacrifice in the first place. We've lost a lot of it. But if we, if we were to, to regain that and you think about every single time you do something evil to your sister, every time you do something evil to your, to your brother, your cousin, every time you, 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 you mistreat a coworker, you had to kill Fluffy or Rex 
Like if that if that was the case, the 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 hope being that you turn away from the evil, like the stuff that you're doing, you'd stop doing it at some point. I think Jesus literally, and he says it. He says he says, um, he 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 says. Uh, well, he doesn't say it, but 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 John presents him as the Lamb of God, mm-hmm. and and he's presented as a Lamb many times throughout the book, and I think the, the the picture that he's trying to get you to see, if the truth is, if 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 the bulls and goats didn't didn't change your heart, there's a good chance that that seeing Jesus sprawled on that cross won't do anything either. Well, well, here's here's where I disagree. Mm-hmm. Be- well, well, here and here's where the Trinitarian comes in too, because right. Jesus on the cross after after Jesus died on the cross, mm-hmm. he ascended into heaven, and he uh, sent his spirit, and and it wasn't until he ascended into heaven after after his death on the cross mm-hmm. that that his spirit was able to come to send the Helper, and 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 that is what gives us a new heart to not have to re-sacrifice over and over and over again yeah. because we now we now have a new heart he takes a stony heart sure. and it makes it a heart of flesh right and so. makes it a heart of flesh and so that that we want to do the will of god that we love god's commandments and um and of course it's it's a it's a course of sanctification it's not something that's done immediately mm-hmm. you know because you know you still kind of want to kill your neighbor <laughs> <laughs> but but you know over time you kind of like oh i guess i won't kill it today <laughs> you know what I mean? but well over time your heart is <laughs> soft a little bit yeah. <laughs> well but 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 you see i agree but yeah. you see until jesus came and sent his spirit we don't get that new heart and we would continue to have to sacrifice. Well, and here's, 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 um, here's why I would push back on that. I do agree that Jesus, Jesus came and, and, and brought us this, this really in-depth 3d version of real love. Um, I agree that there was shadows in the old Testament they 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 weren't they weren't it wasn't it wasn't as clear as it could be but i do believe that there are people who were in the old testament that still that their hearts were still broken for those animals slaughtered david um as an example david was a shepherd um and david actually david not only was he a shepherd but he was the type of shepherd who gave his life for the sheep he was that type of shepherd he was he he was he was a good shepherd <laughs> you know, a, hashtag John Ten, for, right? Foreshadowing, yeah. Yeah. So, so he's he's this good he's this good shepherd, and it says that um that when 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 lions and bears came along, like like he defended them, like, and then Jesus in in John Ten has this story where he's like, well, a hired hand, if if I if if I hire someone to come out here, you know, to take care of you guys, as soon as a wolf comes, he's he's dipping. We're out. He's dipping. He's not a good shepherd. This this person doesn't. But David was this person who really cared about his sheep, because because I have this this esteem for David, um, and I think the the book does right. Like Jesus is is the son of David, right? Not literally, of course. He's a, uh, a and through the lineage. Yeah. Um. But but like, there's this image where um David is this good shepherd that's given to us as a model, you know quite prayerful loves god talks about god's word being hidden on his heart um and 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 the reality is when we talk about what the new covenant is like jeremiah 31 talks about this 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 covenant being being written on our heart david said the law of god being yeah, yeah david yeah. said i have that 
I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. We we sometimes say that, well, we no one had the spirit of God until like Jesus came. But I, I think Paul, I think David knew Jesus. I think David had Jesus' well, spirit and David walked in Jesus' spirit. That's yeah. why I think even, sorry to interrupt you, but even when we were telling, talking about the gospel earlier and what the gospel was, what we missed out was we didn't even talk about the law. And I think that they would have had that's his good, good spirit through the law. And I think that's important to talk about because sometimes we look at the law like it's this bad thing, you know, or it's just this rule thing. But that was actually... Or it's just a mirror. Or like like God's grace came after the law through Jesus, which it did come through Jesus, but it also came in the giving of the law, which Jesus fulfilled so that we see and now we know how to live. And I think that's really pivotal and sometimes lost in, in the gospel today. Yeah, and I think the heart the heart of a Christian... I think the heart of a believer will love God's law. Mm-hmm. I think that's well, pretty clear, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. The law is a part that we, we tend to, and and that's why the cross is so important. I think, I think it's important to say that that um, that that law could never be fulfilled through us. It it could only be fulfilled through Jesus. Like, uh, but we're that, not- that's that's not necessarily true. Um, and it depends on what you're what you're meaning by by that, but um, the 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 law. I guess in some ways we have to kind of like define what we what we mean when we're saying okay. the law. So yeah. we'll go through the the book of Judges and the book of Kings because the book of Judges, you know, everything was before the court. You know that those they were the judges, and then they demanded a king. So, but when we talk about when we talk about the law of God, I think that's important. Let's so let's let's define what the law of God is. Mm-hmm. So if I were to ask you what, what the law of God written on our hearts is, what, what would you say to that? So there's, 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 I would say there's three senses when I think about um, God's law. I think about the, what is it, the Decat- the Decaton or something like that. It's like the, the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. I, that's God's law. Then I, I look at, you know, the 613. The moral law. These are, these are all God's law. Um, but I also look at God's word, every, all of it together also as God's law. Um, and, 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 and not specifically as like, you know, this, keeping the Sabbath and like, I don't, I don't necessarily see these things, um, the same way beyond, beyond Christ, but the law itself was given to us for a reason. Um, and, and, and I think, I think it's lost what that reason is. I was saying earlier while she while Ashley was, was speaking that, um, that we often will, will, will use the law as like a mirror and I think that's the most individualistic place way that we can like, use the law, yeah. right? It's to see how we are, how we're doing, how how we're checking up, like how me, 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 me. Um, and I think there's a sense where the law is also supposed to be a light to our feet, not just for us, but for our, our tribe, for for those who believe. So like if if and and for those who don't, <laughs> you're supposed to be a light, you know, a, a a nation of priests set out, you know. And I think there's a sense where if we only look at the law as as what is it doing for me and, and what has it done for me lately, then we, we don't actually get to, to work. We don't get to like we we, we, we look at us and yeah, we, no, we, we we wonder why we're not we're falling short. And this a, isn't, but that, we don't do. That's a really good insight. And I actually agree with that. But I don't think the, the failing there is a doctrine of the Trinity. I think the failing, I don't, I don't think I think the failing either. there is more the pragmatic approach the church has taken for, no, for I decades. Now, I agree. Right? It's all about it makes it about you. 
It makes it about how to improve your life. It makes it about how to do these certain principles to be a better husband or be a better wife or to get a raise at work. There's all these things that we, right? That so we while, have to do. while it's not, while it's not related to the Trinity, a lot of these things only, only occurred to me after, after decoupling myself mentally from the Trinity. So some of them are, that's are kind of like, lost. That's, <laughs> that's where I'm getting lost because we're, 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 we're gelling, seeing the just, same yeah, yeah. problem. Like this is what's driving me crazy. Say. We're I seeing the same problem, but that's we're just from two different directions. I, I, I think where the problem is like, what is this kind of, how does that affect the Trinity? But it does because we're seeing, we've seen the law, we've seen God. And I think that that's where it affects Trinity, the Trinity, because oh, I you're mean, saying, yeah, yeah. it's the same, the same, the same source. Yeah, because yeah, we're a... defining God through the Trinity. So I think that it very much they 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 do well, they do go together. And in response to that, I think that um, that until Jesus came and died, that that. I mean, we const- we they were constantly um, sacrificing animals because we could never live up to the law. But it was, I mean, and, and, and you say the law the law um, works as a mirror. I, I say it works as a diagnostic tool because it shows us what's wrong with us. But that's just that's, that's the just a, a, a perspective where we're looking at it, what it shows us about us. That's not individually. Perspe- yeah, I, it's I, not. Yeah, that's not a perspective of looking at what does this tell us about God. Right. Okay. And and yes, that's. And again, I, th- I think the imbalance comes from when we when we try to look at the law as just a mirror. There's not just one use of the law. There's multiple mm-hmm. uses of the law, right? There is this sense that it's a mirror, that we're to look at God. Um, how do I ever love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself? Mm-hmm. I do not do that perfectly every day. I don't do it perfectly for 10 seconds of my day. And the right? beauty of the gospel is that those sacrifices that were over and over again in the Old Testament are done. It's like there's... He is the ultimate sacrifice. I mean, if we if we go to to, to Hebrews though, like even even with with like if they weren't doing anything then, right? It what, says the, the the blood of bulls and goats. They they don't they don't save right. anyone. They, they they they've never done anything. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just get that mic on your yeah, face. Yeah, there right we go. Here, right here. Oh, I listen to that voice. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So so there's a sense where. Man, sounds so different. I'm Isn't sorry, it man. better? Yeah. Are you in I feel love like with, I'm ruining a lot of takes. That's, that's, what, that's what those headphones are for, so you can hear when you're sounding good. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> man, I sound good. <laughs> um, I did it again. You, you got that's all right. You were I just, about I, I want to I bring Hebrews it back to 10, the law yeah. because, because I, was, I was trying to finish there. With the law, there's multiple there's uses of the law. There's the mirroring, and I think if we, if we, just, if we just keep it at that, then yes, that's a problem. If we're just constantly using it as a mirror for ourselves, it should be used as a mirror for ourselves. We should look at it and go, okay, I cannot fulfill God's law. I need a savior. Okay. I need a redeemer, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there's also the the curbing of evil. It does good in society, yes. God's law, because it curbs evil. It keeps people from doing things they might otherwise do. And it shows us the character of God. Yes. It shows us what is good, what yes. is human flourishing. Yes. And and so yeah, there's an imbalance. That's that's where I'm scratching my head because I think we see the same problems, <laughs> but we're just coming at it from a different perspective. Yeah. That's, so that's... so so let me ask you: Why did Jesus have to come? Why? Why? Okay, that's. I mean, it's a good question. Um, so there's a sense where, sorry, you can know, you can know um, a lot about how to write code. Um, writing code is complicated, though. And having having written code for many years, I'd I'd have a hard time um, just take because 
when I first started my career, I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. And books are interesting, but until you see someone like solve a problem that that you didn't even know was going to come up, until you see how how to deal with like real world issues in real time, sometimes like you 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 fall into a lot of pits. And I think I think one of the things that we we take for granted is that while the while we were given the law and the law was perfect, um, and it was good. We we didn't get it, we didn't understand that the, the it's almost it's almost as though um, our imperfection was so loud that we didn't understand what 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 the killing of these animals was about, and so Jesus literally came to show us how to be a human. No one, no one, like we, we, we had his law, but we didn't know how to be human. But so I think, well, Jesus says, I am the way I am. I am am the bread. Yes. yes. He says, I mean, in your, in your, um, analogy, Mm -hmm. I am the code. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's not, he's not showing us. He, I mean, he is showing us, but he's showing us that he is the way. He is the code. But I think I think you're taking it to be like he's he's the way in a far away sense. But I think he's saying, look at me, look at everything that I do and do it. Trust everything that you see with your eyes. I think there's a sense where we look at the Holy Spirit um, as as a as this mystical force because we don't see that part of Jesus. Him saying, walk in everything that you see me walk in. So then we, we decide, well, there, there must be another sense of, of, of following God other than trusting Jesus' spirit, trusting Jesus' words, trusting God's words, which I, I think all the three things that I just said mean the exact same thing. I don't think there's any difference between me saying Jesus' word, God's word, God's spirit. I think they're all the same thing. I think I think in yeah, our but, categories but, we've but, we've but in the our problem Western with that is mm-hmm. they're, they're all the same thing. Like, I, and again, this is where the this is where it's hard to to parse out the persons of the Trinity because when you say the same thing, well, in the very opening of John's prologue, mm-hmm. right, the Word was God, the Word was with God. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 word that's used there literally means face to face, distinct but in unique relationship to each other. Mm-hmm. This is two people. Right. So when you say the word, when we conflate all of them, you know, and this is where it gets confusing with the Trinity, too, because um, Jesus is fully God. Mm -hmm. God, the Father is fully God. God, the Holy Spirit is fully God. They're not parts of God. They're not individual pieces that you can you can move around. No, they're all fully God in every sense. Right. So. But when you when you just kind of throw that out there like that, I think that that kind of it kind of conflates everything. But and also the like, I think I think they're more conflated by nature than you think. And I think that's 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 what I'm trying to say is like if we can we can keep on separating things into convenient categories because that's what we do. Like we need to know if this person falls into this group or if he falls into that group, and that's that's fine. But once we start like once we start putting too much importance on the groups that in categories that we've made. Then I think we come up with things that that aren't what the book is trying to say, but they're they're relevant for us and they're useful for us because it's how we think. But I don't think it's how they thought. I think it's 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 I think it's foreign to them. And I think if, if when you say them, who are you talking about? First century Christians, Paul, Peter. So you're talking about the writers of the New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I think I think I think these ideas might have been foreign to even them. Um, and 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 be, and and I and I haven't yet had an, heard enough 
um, arguments about the Trinity to say that that's that's not true. It seems everyone who 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 supporting the Trinity has more of an idea of, well, um, because because it mentions these words, it must be true, and 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 to that I would have to say, well, things like the bread, things like Jesus calling himself self, self divine, him calling himself the shepherd, all of these things are just words that he's saying to relate to. There's an idea that people have when they think of shepherd. He wants them to think of that. He's There's an idea that he has when he when he wants them to think of that. But once we say that those ideas aren't really just ideas, they're really what he is. It's a person. Then I think right, I think we we start to create. A, I think a, there are things we need to take as as symbolic, and I think Jesus tells us what those are. I think when you, when you bring the bread up, I think he he gives that in the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. He says, "Do this in remembrance of me." Mm-hmm. Right. So he's he's telling you this is something you are going to do to remember what I've done for you. He's sure. telling us that is and metaphorical. Yet, that and that yet is the Holy Catholic Church should. took that and they made it a real... Totally agree. I don't agree with the Roman Catholic all, Church. But they, <laughs> right? But in a way you do, you still you still hold on to the Trinity. And that's theirs. And no, that's not the Roman Catholic Church. Where, where did that originate? That's, I mean, yeah, yeah, right. But, okay, but, let, but, let, but, let, if, if you want to go into church history a little bit yeah, here, I think I'm, not, I'm not a church history should. person, but okay. Um, the Trinity itself was a doctrine that... It's interesting because it didn't need to be defended it within the first a, few hundred rebuttal, years, right? Right. Yes, it comes out of in most of our doctrines come out of heresy that they're trying to correct, which is the problem because <laughs> okay. they're starting well, from an they, argument. But uh, agreed. But the, the the fact that we have things like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, those things tell us what they were trying to actually combat mm-hmm. back then. And I think when it comes to the Trinity, the reason that's so foundational, the reason why the Reformers didn't throw that away, is because when they came to the Bible, they keep coming across these truths, that God is one, that there's three persons distinct from each other called God. But did, that, that part you just said isn't there. That part's not there. It just Where? isn't there. That there are three persons that are co-equally God. That, that's just not there. In Scripture. Yeah, that's just not there. Okay, so Jesus as a person, separate from the Father, you don't think that's there? I don't think that's there. I would, John and, and, 14 and, through 17, just yeah. read those three chapters. Hyper, like, listen, <laughs> right? it's I mean, just not I, there. That's, but it is. It's, it's Jesus well, well, talking well, about sending the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who he is also, a person. He talks about a lot of things. He will help you. He's sent from Jesus. He proceeds from the Father. In John 17, he's praying to the Father for, for our salvation, that he would keep us, right, and that we would know his glory. That he shared with him before the world existed. I mean, these these are this this isn't just some grand play. I mean, I, I these definitely are, these understand are what you're saying. That we're I'm, I'm to simply understand. saying that the same way the the woman at the well was confused when Jesus had some water that was going to be like crazy water, like she was going to live forever if she drank this water, and the same way like like Nicodemus thought he'd have to like be born through his mom again. I think we're we're we're, re- we're listening to Jesus' words with human ears. And we're not and not spiritual ears. I don't think we're listening to him the way he means for us to listen to him. And I think that's where where, where the crux is. I think there's a sense where, and you, you you say that that most of the things that you're hearing me say, like you you can't really see the differences. But I think that's where it is. I think I think there's a sense where, if if you start from the basis that Jesus was fully in control of himself, and I believe that that humans can learn self-control i think i think jesus was was unique in saying in that he captured every one of his thoughts like he never did something accidentally like oops i just i just said that thing that i i was really trying hard not to say or i don't think he ever like 
he was so hungry that he ate too fast. Like he just he just sped ate through the whole dish. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and if he did, I think he would have done it for a purpose. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't think he I don't think he did things by accident. I don't think so either. But okay. I think if that that's purpose, the truth, I, I think you might be going a little too far in the moral exemplar theory. I think. I think the purpose too, like think about his just just his and I want to challenge that his sinless nature, mm-hmm. right? If you think it's hard to get through a day without sinning, try it, and we fail, mm-hmm. right? Like we fail. We don't know what it's like to be sinless. Imagine how hard it would be to live a perfectly sinless life. Like think about that. That's crazy. We don't even know what that's like. We don't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when you talk about all those bloody sacrifices in the Old Testament and all this stuff, it it all pointed to something, right? It pointed to Jesus. It also pointed to the reality of how corrupting sin is mm-hmm. and how God feels about sin, right? Yes. So these these are these are true realities. It, there was yes, those pointed to something, but that was also people getting their hands bloodied and animals dying. There was a reality to it. Mm-hmm. Right. If I could just mention um, God's grace in this too, like if we fail at that perfect law, if without God's grace, we would be obliviated. Like we can't, we can't be in the presence of God. Obliviated. I like it. Yeah. Done. (laughs) Dust, brother. (laughs) Mic drop. Can I? Done. (laughs) Because. Um, Go ahead. I, I, I agree that without God's grace, we we can't stand in God's in God's presence. I, I think I I think I think I think the way I define God's grace might be slightly different too. And I think that might be part and parcel with some of this some of the disagreement. because um, we look at we look at, at grace at amongst other things as God's instructions, as how God's taught us to live. Like that's grace. Like he didn't have to, right? He'd already given us the way to live right like like he taught us how to be human right then he destroyed everyone to show what the consequences of of sin and death was you know like like and 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 yet he he rescues these people and then he gives them his law his good law showing them how to how to how to not um how to not die and 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 i say die in 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 a general sense but but when i say die I'm talking about like death and sin, like like, the, like meaning. You can. Me and my wife used to have what I would probably call a dead marriage, like it wasn't dead yet. It was it was like close to dead. It was like, what? it was in a. It was We're like, getting personal, you know. Well, yeah. I think it's important. Well. I think it's important. <laughs> um, and, and 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 one thing that I, that you can recognize in a dead marriage is that there's a lot of sin. There's like a lot of selfishness. A lot of like you have to look out for you because she's not looking out for you, and then she has to look out for her because you're not looking out for her, um, and and it's like a it's compounding effects of 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 two people who've decided not to not to keep their eyes on God but rather on themselves and just live life. Now, many marriages live like that and they that run is, that way today. Yeah, I, w- I would say that's that's our nature. Yeah, yeah, that is our our inward bent towards ourselves. We always we always look to everything we do how it would benefit me. Right. Ultimately, even our good things that we do. Sure. Right? It's how to, how do I benefit from? Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I I agree with that. Um, I think I think, however, that there was there was a point where we realized that um, this is like a, a personal um, challenge in in my mind at least where 
we we wanted to know how how much like Christ we can actually live and and how that would solve problems um as an entrepreneur there's many times where where I'm trying to figure out how to solve different types of issues and and the bible doesn't have a lot to say about about um about you know taxes or or entrepreneurship like it, it's got things but it doesn't it doesn't go out of its way and and so when you're when you're an entrepreneur and you or you or you're just working in the workforce there's a lot of places where you just live life and run into problems and you don't know how to deal with those problems and those problems if you don't know how to deal with them bring problems they bring their own problems which bring more problems and it, it becomes a, a situation where you just you're bogged down by problems same thing happened in rat marriage same thing happens in all types of relationships throughout throughout the world I think that God has given us grace, and his grace is his instructions for how to be a human being, how to be an employee, how to be a partner, how to be a, a and, 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 and because of it, a lot of the evil and death that used to be, that used to surround our marriage, has gone bye-bye. Well, like a lot of it, it's, it's it, a lot of it's gone. Even in my in work relationships, in, 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 in per, like all types of things, sin has been dealt with in those relationships, and it's through trusting in God's spirit. If, if I could speak speak on what what you just said, okay, sure. so so you're saying that if you follow God's law, that there's less sin. Well, it's, it, I'm not I'm not I'm not really saying God's law in in the sense that you probably mean it. Okay. Um. Um. I but I am saying God's instruction for okay. humanity, like okay. love your neighbor as yourself. That there's less God, less love, problems, okay. and I agree. I totally agree with that. However, mm-hmm. we are still separated from God, and that happened. What does it, that mean? That means that in 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 the Garden of Eden, when when Adam and Eve took the bite of the apple or whatever it was, mm-hmm. the fig tree or whatever. Pretty sure it was a pomegranate. <laughs> uh, maybe a pomegranate. <laughs> they're pretty good, but um, um, that that at that moment that they they wanted to be like God, mm-hmm. they were driven out of the garden of Eden. They were separated and God had mercy on them and gave them a skin of an animal to cover their shame. And, 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 and that was God's mercy and God's grace covering their shame and not killing them even physically, spiritually. They were dead. They were dead. What do you think? And what do you think that means? What, what do you mean? What does that all, what does that, what does that story mean? What that, do you think the intent we were, was from that? Well, we were separated from God, from our sin. We were separated from God. Even though we he allowed us to live physically, we were separated. We were driven out of the Garden of Eden. But he did cover our shame. And that was the first episode. Episode? Um, the <laughs> first. Receive grace. The, right? That was the first. Uh, I, I, I like I, episode. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess you would. <laughs> um, that was the first, um, I, I can't think of the word, of the gospel of where he takes, he, he kills an animal and, and covers our shame in, in an act of grace and mercy towards us because he could have easily smitten us done we're done yeah like we disobeyed god yeah but now and perhaps well, he should have <laughs> well he should have and in fact he well, that's should what we have deserve. <laughs> in fact he should have yeah. i mean yeah. we are no we are no longer image bearers of christ after after the fall mm-hmm. we weren't we i mean we we're created to be image bearers but we were not bearing the we're image. A shattered mirror 
Shattered mirror. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, so we're on the other side of the the of the Garden of Eden. We are separated. Mm-hmm. We we've been separated until Jesus Christ came, and I think that's my whole point. Well, is I, that I, but see, that's the thing. There, there's there's some nuance to the story, and if we make it that, if we make it like we were separated from God until because God doesn't make it seem like we're separated. Like so so right after the Garden story, Cain and Abel come come along. Okay, and Cain. You would think, man, this guy's a a, a jerk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he 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 makes a sacrifice just like his brother, and mm-hmm. God doesn't like his, and so he kills his brother. But before he kills his brother, God enters the story. He's like, hey, don't don't do that. Mm-hmm. God, who seems to still have a relationship with Cain, so much so that he protects him from from people after he kills kills um, Abel, and it's this story. And, and I think I think especially within reform circles, we have this this real us versus them mentality, and yeah, it's really get that it's really yeah. ingrained. But but yet throughout the story, while we think that God has casted people off, Ishmael was casted off, but then God goes and meets with him, blesses him. Uh, I, uh, uh, Esau and Jacob, we think Esau is you know being casted off, but God blessed him. He was like, you don't have to give me nothing, bro. I'm good. You know, God's given me given me much. Um, we, we almost have this, the Ninevites, we, we look at these people like they're the other, but God, God doesn't have that same view of, of them. And, and I think, I think, I think we've got to be careful to to not realize and not see that God's grace is, is consistent all throughout the story. He's, he's constantly giving, giving instruction on how to avoid death, how to avoid person, like, like evil and sin. Like he's, he's constantly mentoring. And then he comes into person to do the same thing, to mentor. And although Jesus looks like it's an it's a new thing, what he's actually doing isn't a new thing. It's it's already been done. It's a continuation of what he already started. Sure. And so I think, although it might look in a new way, it's still continuing the same thing that has been done. But what he ultimately did is a new covenant. That what he ultimately did was he yes he came and he lived and he showed us an example. But then he died on the cross, bearing our sin. Taking everything that 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 I mean, we're we're damned, we're we're in the wrath of God without Jesus Christ's blood. Um. So, so yes, absolutely, his life is an example, but his death is the way. His death is the only way because it 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 um atones for our sin. I would say this. I would say, death. Jesus' death was critically important because it showed us why we should be dying. Like, I think there's a sense where, where within our circles, we look at it like God did all the work. So now we, we can just rest in his finished work. And I agree with the concept of that because we, we don't have to work towards salvation. We don't have to work to be, to be at one with God, but there's a sense that we, that we say this where we don't realize that the whole point of us being in relationship with God is to do what God made us to do, which is represent him and look like him and act like him. Like we were created for that purpose. And that's the beauty of this Holy Spirit because we can't do that until the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Now look through the old, the whole Old Testament and you will see, yes, God dwells with his people, but he does not dwell inside them. But, but, until... but David says that his word, God's word, which we know is Jesus, God's word is Jesus. His word is hidden on his heart. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So we know that that 
it's not true. There are people who did have God's word and they walked in it. They trusted God's word. That is, that's God's spirit. And, 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 and the, the, old, the Old Testament is replete with examples of people walking and trusting in God's spirit. I think it even says, maybe even in Nehemiah 9, it says that, he, they, that God sent his good, his good spirit to be with his people. Mm-hmm. So I, I, think, I think there's, a, there's this idea that, that the Holy Spirit is this New Testament concept. This this thing that came later on in the story, but I don't think that that's true at all. I think that's... I don't believe that. I believe that people in the Old Testament were moved through the Spirit, but I believe that Spirit was a person. I, I don't. I don't think it was just the law that God gave. I think it was a Spirit actually working mm. in the lives of the prophets, yeah. who, by the way, there were very few. <laughs> there wasn't. There wasn't many. And I think through the Old Testament, when we see God's dwelling with the people. It's always exterior. It's always in the tabernacle. Right? It's always in the Holy of Holies. No one can approach that except but once a year, the high priest. Right, mm-hmm. And I think that's what Jesus shows us when he, when he lives that perfect life. He fulfills that law for us. That perfect sacrifice is made. No other sacrifice is needed after that. He's the perfect high priest. He's the perfect mediator. And then the Spirit comes to dwell in us. God in us, Emmanuel. Like That's a beautiful, beautiful picture, right? And that's, I agree. But I just believe that that Spirit is not... Just the words that he put down, mm-hmm. I believe that spirit is an actual person who makes that sacrifice I, no. effectual think, to us. I think I think while I don't I don't have a problem with people looking at the spirit as a person, because I don't have a problem with personification. I'm an artist. So I actually like doing things like that. When I write, I personify things that aren't things. And, and I, Paul does the same thing. He personifies sin. It's not me who's sinning. It's the sin dwelling within me. He's, he's giving okay, it so like this. this. I'm going to ask you. Let me ask you what. I mean, what are the, uh, for a person to be a person, would they need a mind? Would they need emotions? Would they need to be able to make decisions? Yeah, a personal will probably is important, but I think think there's a sense where if we we only look at this as a person, then we may lose um, an aspect of personal responsibility um, and and I think if we if we lose that, then we we end up having a situation where the church is full of what we call baby Christians, people who they 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 know about God, but they have so little practice in walking in His truth that they never develop, they never mature. Um, and and included in that idea is the fact that throughout the Old Testament, many people were exposed to this Holy Spirit, and. And throughout the Old Testament, it was often not referred to as a person. It was often just a, an it, a, a thing that, that God used and sent to people and, and did things with. And so if, if, if these artists and writers were, were completely comfortable not um, personifying it, and Jesus himself doesn't always personify the spirit, he does it sometimes, um, like some artists would do, like if, you, if you're going to personify you know, a feeling that you have, you know, you, you, you might do that sometimes, but you wouldn't do it all the time. And I think if you don't do it all the time, then it, then it, it kind of opens up a door to think that maybe you can look at this another way other than the way that's being presented. Well, and I think that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit and of the rebirth of, of somebody being reborn is that, is that you don't, you don't have, to, I mean, okay, so you can take it from that view, like, okay, you're just not doing anything because you're waiting for the Spirit. But you could also look at it as um, they're not doing anything because they haven't been reborn yet. And and when somebody is reborn and they're 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 
their heart has been made new, they now want and long to do those things. And and I and I just want to like um talk about the the Holy Spirit as being a person because the the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the New Testament as having a mind and having feelings groaning to, groanings too deep for words and having emotions and comprehending things in knowledge and um so, so in Romans um 8:26 Romans chapter 8 mm-hmm. verse 26 it says um Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That's a deep emotion. Um, and intercedes for the saints according... Uh, and, I'm sorry. And um, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So he has a mind. The spirit has a mind and has well, emotions. I think, I think I think I think what we're what we're seeing is is God's mind. Well, like, and, and 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 I don't disagree that this is God. I'm just saying it. I think this is a personification of God's mind. It's it's anything that that you could say of Jesus, you would say of the Spirit because this is His Spirit. This is this is this is His legacy that we're talking about, and 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 a legacy, a legacy like like so. If if you if you've lost someone who's dear to you, um, you you may be you may be caught up in in in, in trying to verbalize things. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to keep apologizing. You just you just put that beautiful mug to yeah, the yeah, mic yeah. and start All talking. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm trying to get too conversational, and I'm and I'm forgetting that these are the people who are having a conversation with. It's all good. <laughs> okay. yeah. You'll know after you hear a couple episodes. Yeah, no, I know it. I, I, I hate myself already for how many times. I'm By the it. way, if the hour and a half long in we are hasn't shown you that this is going to be an ongoing conversation for quite some time. <laughs> we'll narrow it. We'll get better at this. That's good. I, Go I, ahead, I have just something to add, because one of the things that you said is that when the spirit comes in us, then we have a heart and we want to, to do good. But then what do what what do we do when we have the spirit in us and we don't want to do good because that's a that's a, a common thing and i i just met with somebody probably more common than, <clears throat> I'm not yeah. than last, last I, I met with a friend last week and she was like ash what do i do I've, I've become a member at my church um i take the communion i've been baptized now and i'm still waiting for the feeling of the holy spirit and i still don't feel the spirit how do i secure and know that i really have the spirit and the question that she asked i i, I love that she asked it because that's a question that so many have is like well, what do you do when you don't feel those things because you would assume that the spirit's in you then you literally just want to do good all the time <laughs> mm-hmm. well the, and the, and that's not to say and, and read Romans 7 Romans 7 is is like the the it's a battle of the flesh and the spirit it's it's a battle and and it, it we are living this battle until the day we we die and that we become glorified is and it a battle we're involved in absolutely and, I, yeah. and I, can't, I can't think of the text right now, but there is one that says that, that we, we understand joy through the Spirit. Like, even when we don't feel it, the Spirit, right? That's mm-hmm. how we understand joy. So mm-hmm. even when we don't feel like the Spirit's moving, He is. And that's, you know, Christian life, sanctification, it, this, this, this conforming us to the image of God is a lifelong process, which is only finished when we hit the grave, right? When we move on. 
Like, so, you know, I love our, our pastor at our church, Pastor Scott, had the sermon in First uh, Peter, he talks about living stones, mm. right? And we are, we are these stones, like those stones that are placed on the temple, no work is done at the temple. They're perfect. When they get there, they're perfectly cut. There can be no hammers, no chisels at the temple. No noise, right? It just gets placed perfectly. All the work is done in the quarry. They're hammered, they're chiseled, they're they're worked out, and all that work is done there, and then we're placed which is a crazy perfectly into that temple. Which is a crazy concept. It is, right? But that lifelong sanctification. So when you talk to a friend who who I don't feel it right now. Like this is this is a lifelong yeah. thing. There's gonna be valleys and you know, there's gonna be high points and low points. Um, but it's the spirit that intercedes and and reminds us of that joy that we have as adoption as sons into the family. Like we we agree. So, but we would say that the spirit in this case would be love and joy and peace and patience well, and that's kindness. Well, fruit and again and against such the thing there is well, no law, which goes back to what we're talking about the very beginning that the, mm-hmm. that God like He was fulfilled. He He sent Jesus to fulfill the law, right. be the law, living right. and against these fruits of the spirit. Right. There is no law. Right. Yeah, because you can't do enough love. You can't have enough peace. There's no law against having too much peace or too much love or patience or gentleness. Or like Galatians, the law was brought in because of transgression. There's that too. That the law was actually introduced. Galatians, Paul tells us in Galatians, the law was there because of transgression, because we transgressed. Well, yeah. Abraham didn't have the law. Abraham didn't have the tablets written on stone, mm-hmm. right? That came at Moses. But yet he mm-hmm. believed God. Right, he believed God. He had faith that was a gift. And Jesus says, you know, Abraham saw me and he rejoiced at my day, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, I mean, there, yeah, there's, um, I don't know, I'm getting off no, well, on a trail it, here. But. It, it, the thing is, is that Abraham still sinned. I mean, and, and he still, he still sinned. That's not my wife. <laughs> it's my sister. What? Abraham. I mean, he, was, was, he wasn't technically lying. <laughs> okay. okay, he's not talking about me. Um, anyway. No, I'm sorry. That's, that sounded really bad. No, yeah, that's kind of weird. Abraham said that his wife was it wasn't his wife. Never mind. But wasn't she like really his sister? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, go, we got to read that story. Not, not I guess really like he, like how went, we think about it. I derailed. It was no, it's okay. We. It, Maybe some people understand it and laugh. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Us Bible nerds, we get it. <laughs> yeah, well, he sinned anyway. He he. It was Abraham's wife. It was his wife, and he went on to say, "That's not my wife," because he didn't want to get you know, like I don't know, bullied. I, what, what do you call bullied. it? <laughs> you know, he, he needed Good safe enough. space. Thought they were going to make fun of him. Okay. I think he was more afraid for his life, though. Yeah, yeah, like, more yeah, afraid for his life. Yeah. Like Pharaoh's gonna want you because yeah. you bad. Yeah. Like, so. so anyway, the whole point is, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We went way off topic there, but the whole point. We were talking about spirit, and that's well, what we were talking about—the feeling of the spirit. The feeling, and we, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, and my point, my my, I was trying to make the point that the spirit is a is an actual person because of all the. I have some references down here that the spirit he speaks in Acts um, thirteen two, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them." I mean, he speaks, he, he bears witness, 
um, in Romans eight sixteen, he bears witness. I won't bore everybody with all this. You can go look them up, but um, he has knowledge in First Corinthians two ten. Um, these things God has revealed to the to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Who could do that, except for a personal God. being? Exactly. Yeah. God. God Himself. Yeah. I mean, who can search? Who can search the depths of God, but God Himself? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that does that. I don't disagree. And that doesn't mean anything. We just, we just, when you say you don't we disagree, do disagree, it means nothing. <laughs> That's the thing is like that they are yeah. persons distinct from each other, so, yet fully God. Jesus, Jesus is is um is called the Spirit like many times, like like he's he's referred to like he is a spirit at times. Well, tell me what time. Um so in 1 Corinthians 15:45 we've got 2 Corinthians 13:5, we got 2 Corinthians 3:17. Well, well let's go with one. 1 Corinthians what? Um 15:45. Okay. You can all now turn to your Bibles. Oh. <laughs> 1 Corinthians. His voice is so authoritative. I'm like, let me turn real quick. <laughs> I saw that. Ashley's like, oh, whoa, Bible. <laughs> supposed to be doing something. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So uh, 1 Corinthians 15.35. Do you want to read it with your voice? Instead of mine? Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Wait. Oh, wow, that was like impressive. First <laughs> Corinthians 13, uh, 15, 45. We're going to make a broadcast. Oh, of I was on oh 45. <laughs> yeah. First Corinthians 15, 45. Then, um, well, the spirit's referred to as his spirit too. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, there's, there's a lot of places where, where it's not necessarily them talking about the spirit by itself, they're saying Jesus Himself is the Spirit. That, right, but that there's also saying, like, like I said before, that kind of that there's three chapters in John, kind of fourteen to seventeen, where it talks about the Spirit. Sure, it's the Spirit of Jesus who comes from the Father, right? It so there well, there is there's this, other places where it says it comes yeah. from the Son. Right? Yeah, it so comes it's from like, the Son, it comes so, from the Father. But 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 my point is that all of the language is saying the same thing. It's trying to say like like God's Spirit. You have access to God's Spirit to, for help. I don't think it's trying to make it a person, though. I think that's that's a that's a mistake of 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 our category. Like we we feel as though it has to be a person, so we can't read it without it. But I think if if we were to if we were to to there's a sense there's a sense where um because even for uh, for us to have have gotten to where we are, like I was a hardcore Trinitarian. Like I didn't have any other category. Um, but I realized that in order for me to see it any other way, I had to decide whatever I thought was wrong and that there was some truth that I was going to look for. Not, not to say that it was actually wrong, but I had to uh, empty myself, I guess. Okay. I had to like, I had to like decide um, to some extent that I don't know anything. And, 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 and by reading the book anew, I realized that I didn't fall on the same things if I read them with a certain um, perspective, one that you say the moral exemplar or the is is I'm 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 biting out too much, and I think we're not biting out enough in the Christian church. So, we're not looking into we're not looking intentionally enough at our life. And so, if we did, right. then it would it would help us to see why Jesus 
did and, and thought and acted the way he did because I think I think he wants us to to live and think and act the way he does I think he's our head and we're the body so we we have we should have this perspective where anything that we saw him do we have to see it as like our duty to do it because that's that's our that's our okay. role so so to me that's one dimension mm-hmm. that's one dimension sure okay like the 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 trinity the trinitarian view is three dimension i mean it's... by the way missy and i are not the absolute authorities on trinitarianism <laughs> just so you know we're not, not. I, like, we, we I, may speak that we're not so just I, you know well, and just so i just you want know, to put that out there I, we still we don't know thinking... if those exist like the absolute authority everyone seems to go a little bit different yeah. So, so to me, to me, the example is is like I, I, okay. So everybody looking can't see, but I just drew a square. Okay, <laughs> a square. It's one dimension. It's one dimension. Okay. So if I draw two dimensions, then you can see two squares. Okay. So, but when I draw three dimensions, you can see an actual cube. Like you can see this cube, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's a whole new dimension mm-hmm. that you can't see with just this. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's um, an example. That's to me when you say that Jesus came as an example. I see a square. <laughs> I, that's what I see. That's what I see. But no, when, but, that statement's but you, funny. But you, um, yeah, actually. but you put but you put the the Father yeah, and yeah. the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then you have a three dimensional. You, you see, you see him as more with the Trinity. I I think I think I think there's a that's, sense. You see, I think there's a sense where we see him as less. With the, we see him as as being limited to only being this representation that he he gave as a as a as a teaching device. Now we've we now we've made it into the whole thing that he is. Yeah. And, see, and see I think when when you say when you say he gave as a teaching device, mm-hmm. I would argue there that That's he gave he gave that the greatest revelation of himself. And who he is. That's why this is so important. Yeah, that's that's like, that's what I'm th- saying is 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 the, the the mistake I think we found. I think I don't think it's revel that's his revelation. I think that's how he taught. I think we, we have we, just just going back a little bit a little bit before because it, it sounds to me like and I could be wrong, but it sounds to me like you're you're mostly interpreting the New Testament inside of the old. Or in Yeah, it does. I, 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 I'm, you're I'm, taking the lens of the of Israel and the Old Testament and interpreting the New Testament on that. In, in some ways, I am. In some ways, I'm following how 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 the how God's people how God's people would have originally started to hear this story, told to them since they were children. You're trying um, to follow that De- thread. That's- Deuteronomy six four tells you, hey, listen, raise up your children this way. Like like remember his words, write them on your doors. Like mm-hmm. like like raise your kids to think this way. And and so you if, said if, write them on your door. What did you mean by that? Well, it simply it, it was this idea where like sing songs about it, like. Put it on your forehead. You're constantly reminding yourself. You're, 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 yeah, you want to make it like a big deal. This this story, whatever this story is, you want to make it a big deal to your children because it's life. But, this story is life. But the story so, was God saving His people, and that right. wasn't a metaphor. Well, I, that was literal. Like so God you, saved agreed. His people. So agreed. when you said write it on your door, I I thought you were t- referring to the Passover where they put no. the, painted the blood over no, the door. No, but it's probably similar. But okay. oddly enough. When you go to Israel and you go to any of the churches, uh-huh. you see on their door, what we were just talking about earlier, is mm. this image of the gospel. And the gospel wasn't merely just the cross. It was actually all the stories. It was even the stories in the Old Testament. It was, that's what that's, yeah. oddly enough, is. And see, see, I would, see, here's, here's what I would argue. And Justin's here's, here. here's where I think the disconnect, <laughs> Justin's home. We hear the dogs barking. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, the, the Trinity is fully realized between Malachi and Matthew, right? It's in the Incarnation that we fully see the Trinity play out. 
in the Old Testament, we have we have types, we have shadows, we have things pointing to who this character is, right? But the Trinity itself is realized in the Incarnation, in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, and then at Pentecost, the sending of the Spirit. That's where we realize the Trinity. And, and when we look at the Bible and we read it through that revelation of God, that's why I say there's not a doctrine that... the that we have in the Christian church where the doctrine of the Trinity doesn't touch it because that is the revelation of God, who he is. That's the answer that we give as Christians, who is God. God is triune. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So most of the teaching that we, we talk about as Christians is based on the knowledge of who, or the teaching of who we think God is. Oh, since, since switching sides a little bit, we've noticed. Like, <laughs> it's, it, touch, it really does touch everything. I think I think in some ways though, um, it it it'll it'll tend towards um, it'll tend towards creating a system of of baby Christians and immature Christians. See, only- I, I would actually argue the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would think because we have a lot of Christians who don't even try to understand it. It's it, the I, Trinity well, doctrine. Sure. The Trinity doctrine. I, I'll agree has become this um, just kind of thing that's out there in the ether. It's not really important. Yeah, well, yeah, of course we believe in the Secondary. Trinity. And we don't think about it as f- fundamental to what we what we know about God. And in in trying to understand the nature of God, this is where we see the beauty of God, this is where we see the beauty of the cross, but we've made everything so pragmatic, which is one of the problems we, we brought up earlier. We we've cheapened the gospel. We've we've made it just a book of principles that we can we can do to have better lives mm-hmm. or to be better people. But the beauty of the and gospel is that we can't do those things. We, we can't do what things? We can't do those. We can't do the thing, the things that that is written in the law. We can't. We can't. Not perfectly. Not well, perfectly. Perfect. But, that, but we can't. We can't keep looking at, at it that way, though. Even that statement, like we keep looking at it, like we cannot do God's work, even though God said no, do I, His I work. Didn't, I didn't say that. Well, but that's what you're saying. Essentially, you're saying that the law that God gave you, the instructions, the the, the guidelines for how to live. You're, you're, you're focusing primarily on the fact that we can't accomplish it. We can't achieve it. But th- the story isn't telling you that you have to achieve this perfectly. It's saying, trust him. Go, go, go trust him. And, and somehow in just trusting him, like his grace is sufficient. Like, like, like we're not saying that you have to be perfect. We're saying that he, he is perfect and that his, his blood did wipe away our sins. That's, that's true. What we're saying, though, in addition to that, because if we if we leave it there, then what happens is you you end up thinking, well, problems are solved. We get to rest now. I think there's a sense where you re- where, where where if you if you truly understand this story and you paid attention to it with your is with your eyes like Israel from the very beginning, then as you're reading this story, you you're gonna find yourself in it, and then by finding yourself in it, you recognize one you were you were headed you were in death. Everything that you were touching was 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 getting destroyed you 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 didn't have a way and now you have a way and the way that you have actually brings life and you mm-hmm. you can trust him enough that you live and walk and, and and follow that pattern and 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 teach it to your wife and you teach it to your kids you you can create um eden around you Wait. and if you say that you can't then it's because you don't trust the words and i think i think we're supposed to trust but I think I think I th- you're I think you're giving a false dichotomy. Well, I, I hold think- on. Let me let me let me let me just respond to that. Like, because because what could be an addition to salvation? 
Because you're saying in addition to salvation would be in addition to that. No, no, no. Because because in in saying that that God is is triune and that you have to understand that it actually adds on like, okay, Abraham believed God. And so if I believe God now, but I don't see the triune God and that you can't see the gospel without seeing God through these triune lens, then ultimately you have to understand the Trinity and you have to understand it accurately in order to be saved. Let me put it this way. Let me put it a little bit differently because I don't think most Christians do understand the Trinity and I think they're saved. I I don't, I wouldn't question their salvation. Um, the, The issue we have with the Trinity is people don't think about it in relation to the gospel they don't want to get to know God more. Mm-hmm. We tend to, um, again, we, t- we tend to make things a little more pragmatic instead of actually wanting or having a desire to know who God is. So I wouldn't question the salvation of somebody who doesn't know the Trinity. And I don't expect you to know the Trinity inside and out to be saved. You need to trust in Jesus, right? That's, that's it. But that's, you need to understand the Trinity a little bit to be saved? No, but what I'm saying is, is if you don't understand the Trinity, if if you want to try to try to move away from that, I'm saying that leads to a path of destruction because that leads down a path that changes the gospel. It changes salvation. It changes who Jesus is. It changes how who the Spirit is. Salvation? How, how are we saved? How are we saved? How are we through reconciled Jesus. to God? Through Jesus. Then how? Okay, so we're reconciled to God. Is there anything we have to do? What do you mean? Anything we have to do in order to earn salvation. You said we're just we're reconciled to God. Reconciled to God. Yeah, then then no. So there's, now, not, now there's nothing there's else we have to do. If we're reconciled with God, now mm-hmm. there there is something we have to do, but it's because right. we're reconciled with God. Right, but you brought up before, you were talking about how we, we can tend to, and I agree with that, we can tend to say, well, now we just rest in this, we don't do anything. And that's, right. that's a problem, yes. Mm-hmm. We're actually supposed to live from that rest. That's the beauty of it, mm-hmm. right? We're supposed to find that that, the cross. That, sh- that that perfect peace with God. We can now wake up, right, in Christ every day knowing that I am reconciled to God. The biggest problem I have is solved. Jesus solved it. So now how do I go and serve my king? Like that's, yes, like I, I, I agree with you mm-hmm. that that's a problem if we just think, well, it's done for me. I just don't do anything. That, you know, then I just, you're not I just really saved. If you're, if you're saying that, then... Paul says in Philippians to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? So look look at your life. Evaluate, right? Am I saved? That's what Paul's saying, right? You, you don't go on sinning. You, you don't go on sinning if you know if, if you've been saved. You just don't. I think there's a sense where, um, so we probably shouldn't shouldn't even broach this subject today. Like we shouldn't go too deep into <laughs> two hours. Just, like, just, <laughs> well, we know. can pose it for next. Um, hopefully, next. people have a really long drive to work. But here's the thing: like there, there are there are there are a bunch of things within this conversation that get really really interesting. Among them is um, is prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, among among them is is things like the baptism, and I think I think that I think a lot of these things are, are worth you know um, delving into. And I think there's 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 interesting ways that once you once you look at them that way, you realize that that. There's a way, like like when he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Like there, it's a tr- there's a there's such a truth to it, and if we if we don't understand that he's saying, "I'm the way to live," I'm the human that Jesus that, Christ. Yeah, yeah, the only way. Yeah, I'm the way to no live. Other way. If, if if you tried to live another, so there, there's um Matthew 12. Maybe maybe we can maybe we have time for that. Um, in Matthew 12, there's there's a space where um. 
the the Pharisees are are accusing Jesus of of, of being in in league with satanic powers, right? They mm-hmm. they don't they don't like his mojo. He's he's doing all kinds of craziness. Thank you, baby. Um, and so there's this there's this verse that used to used to really make me uncomfortable when I was a, when I was a kid, because it was the one sin God wouldn't forgive. That's a <laughs> the, un, the unpardonable sin. What, uh, what verse is that? That's going to be Matthew 12, verse 30. Verse 30. And it's going to be 30 through 32. Okay. So he says this. He says, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Um, I mean, I think I think that's a it's it's a wonderfully complex <laughs> piece of scripture because you you look at God as this forgiving God who forgives all sin until you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Okay. What does it even mean? Well, well, let's talk about. I mean, well, let's let's let's. Okay. And, and let's that we can table down. for next week. Yeah. Let's yeah, let's but, wind down and and per, or propose that for for next week's. This definitely discussion. holds a record for the longest episode <laughs> we've ever had. Because <laughs> I think that's a good dis- discussion, and I think that it's something that we could um, maybe even get some scripture to back. Sure. What, you know what we're discussing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And give people time to dig into why that is such a big deal, and I and I think that truly points to the person of the Holy Spirit. It's hey not- guys, I really want to thank you for having us on this show. I mean, hey, I had a lot of fun. This- I, I don't know if you guys can hear this. I don't know if it comes across that way, but we do vehemently disagree on some yeah. things. Um, but I hope we can model a, a good way to have a conversation and a good way to um, discuss and to wrestle with Scripture. Um, I think it's really important to God doesn't, you know, God doesn't look for blind faith. God looks for reason. He wants. He made our minds. He wants to use them. So he wants let's, us to be Bereans too. Yeah, he wants us let's to come search to the, word the scriptures and see and what is true. Let's search them out, um, because truth is objective, right? <laughs> he is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we shouldn't be afraid of it. So hopefully, this has been edifying. This has been a long two hours, you guys. I don't know. We've kind of we've. I think we've been back and forth and all over the place. Mm-hmm. Missy's been a faithful gospel ninja and keeping us mm-hmm. keeping us on track. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Amen. super thankful for that, guys. Um, thank you for joining us, and we're yeah. definitely going to pick this up also, maybe next week. Happy birthday, Jody! Happy birthday, Jody! Aww, thank you. Happy birthday, Jody! <laughs> what do you like? Twenty? Yeah, he's like twenty. Right, you like it? I moisturize. Moisturize. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good, man. Okay. Good. All right, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Maybe maybe next week we can do another. Yeah. Let's yeah. Make let's do it. Yeah, right. We're going to talk about next week. We'll talk about the um, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do that. Let's look into it. And we'll prayer. Yeah, and and um, we pray that that um, everybody would um, uh, just use this podcast to draw them closer to the Word of God and trusted close to God and we pray that um, and that's ultimately the 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 whole purpose of this podcast yeah. the reason the, way, the reason we called it the unknown Godcast is because you know we, we live in a world that claims to not Which know is God a dope name yes. so you know dope that's, name. that's the whole point of this we want it we want to know God we want to proclaim that God so yeah, may, may your eyes may your eyes be open to to God's truth through his word amen 
All right, guys, till next time, God bless. God bless. God bless.